Tonight, new reports coming in of an Imperial Star Destroyer on Kessel. We look into this presumed drug raid operation to get the details. And the droids' rights debate. Do these lifeless and soulless machines need a voice their sentient organic masters can't provide for them? Most citizens agree. Not in my sector. We get the Rodian on the streets point of view. Here, at 11. Welcome back, galactic citizens, to another episode of Hoth Topics, a Star Wars podcast. I am a humble moof milker, Ian. Joining me this week is Imperial recruiter, John. And a big shot gangster, Mike. That's me. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Mike, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got to talking about Solo last time you were on. Right. And kind of our expectations for the movie and where we wanted it to go and the general excitement level for it. And we just got back from seeing the film. And we have some catch-up to do on... uh, on those opinions, looking back and, and seeing what we thought and comparing that to what we just saw. So we recorded a little bit of solo pre-discussion, reminder discussion. That makes sense, right? Totally. I got a little it. A little reminder discussion before we saw the film about all the things that we talked about in our, our main episode. And we're going to play that now and then join back with everybody to get their thoughts on the movie. Gentlemen, Solo, A Star Wars Story is upon us. Very soon, it'll be screening. We are going to go see it shortly. What are you looking forward to? What do you want to see? And what do you hope they steer away from? Uh, John, go. As with every Star Wars movie that has come out since the Disney acquisition, I'm going to go into it prepared for it to be terrible. So if it's anything other than that, they have successfully made a Star Wars to me. That's fair enough. I didn't really get that opinion, and then a couple movies ago, I kind of started following that principle. Mm-hmm. And it, it weirdly, it works. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, I'm kind of tired of the either 100% for something or 100% against, them, yeah. against something mentality we have in our culture at the moment. Yeah. And uh, so I go in expecting the worst, and anything, anything other than the worst... Is successful. It's it's okay for things to just be alright. Mm-hmm. Mike, what are you looking forward to in Solo? What do you want them to steer away from? I'm mostly looking forward to new Star Wars content happening in front of me and then seeing it. Um, the content of it is, is bonus material, but I'm excited for something new within Star Wars, a new story, a new kind of you know, vision and idea. So whatever it is they got for me, I'm ready for, and I'm ready to kind of take that head on. I'm looking forward to seeing something even more different than what we've already gotten. So I think that Rogue One was kind of a test run for that. Mm -hmm. And Last Jedi ended up being, depending on how you look at it, a successful or unsuccessful experiment in doing things differently. But I think that with Solo, this is going to be the starting point of not everything needs to follow the same formula. And we'll get we'll get some of the same elements, but we'll get some of those different elements and start expanding from there. So that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. And I'm looking forward to seeing ideas that are being brought back into a Star Wars movie that maybe didn't originate in a Star Wars movie. Like, mm. we talked about the Imperial Army 
kind of potentially being connected in this one and with the mud troopers and but just some those ideas in general but honestly I'm just I'm just excited to see it at this point you know a couple non-spoiler reviews have come out I've caught a few glances and I'm hearing you know everything from it's okay to it's great and as long as it stays within that margin I think we're gonna <laughs> be fine mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to seeing it I'm like, I'm not sure if it was you that said it, or maybe I've just picked this up since we recorded that mm-hmm. episode. Sure. The one thing that you or whoever it was was looking forward to was a, a, a Star Wars movie that didn't have a galactic impact. Maybe that was me. Yeah, that, I was, uh, that was... I remember saying that in the, okay, lot, in the last one I was at. It I was, really it was definitely something we all agreed on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm super excited about a story that doesn't weigh on yeah the galactic impact the the force of the universe and the galaxy and everything that has to do with it i'm excited for a a linear story that you're able to get a little bit more character progression and a little bit more uh view of the different technology and the different things around you as opposed to kind of thinking uh bigger in that sense so i'm excited to be able to get a little bit more into the characters a little bit more into kind of the smaller details because Mm. you don't have to look above and beyond to look at you know what the what the general the big picture big picture yeah 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 i agree with that i think it's uh because we the rest of the story is already written we know what happens to han solo so Seeing this or part maybe, of his life, maybe they'll do something brave and like kill him off. I don't see how that works. Uh, trying to be the optimistic here, person, you know, maybe I mean, maybe they could do something they brave. Could, they could do a, a or, Star Trek JJ uh, Abrams thing and introduce a another time travel element that will create a whole new timeline for these spinoff films to take place in. Ian, Ian how do you thoughts? feel about that? I I have I have I have trouble with time travel. Time mm-hmm. should be uh, a circle in which you stay perfectly still. Mm. Yes, like the uh, the prophets in the celestial temple in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, reference. I totally understand. Yeah, I got that one too. Thank you. Yes, yes you're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you're not looking forward to? I just I I really want the, if there's if there's one thing that I don't want them to do is I don't want them to end the movie on Han being the hero. Even if he has a heroic character arc, I want him to at least show signs of being the smuggler that we know he is at the beginning of A New Hope. Mm -hmm. I want those characters to connect, or at least I want to start seeing that transformation happen by the end of the film. If he wants to be a good guy who just gets caught up in, you know, a bad situation and slowly starts to devolve, that's a story I can get behind. If he's just, you know, paramount good guy till the end of the film and then something terrible happens, that's a story I can get behind. But the important element is that I want, by the end of this film, I want to see glimmers of the Han Solo that we saw in A New Hope. You guys, anything? In particular, you're, you want them to try to avoid, maybe? I think you kind of already did with the... Yeah, I don't like Han Solo, and... <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope that they would highlight some of the other people and, and really 
put a lot of effort into building the world around Han Solo because I like the world around Han Solo in the, you know, the other movies. And so I want to see what those other characters look like with a new character, like the one that Amelia Clark's playing mm, and with the already established ones with like Lando. Uh, I want to see what that world looks like around him. And so it, as long as they, they build that, I think they will. Like from what I've seen out of the trailers and I, I, I expect them to build up all those other characters. I just don't want it to be just the Han Solo story featuring Han Solo and then he does everything. Yeah. Um, as long as it's not that, then I'm excited for it. Awesome. John? I'm just hoping that they don't shoehorn a, <clears throat> a, uh, a, a galactic doomsday into this somehow. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we have to go steal this spice so that we can... Stop the core planets from exploding again. Right. Just but keep it keep it small scale yeah. down to down to earth. I agree with all of that. I believe uh, you know other character development is important. Keeping it small scale is important, and making sure the character connects uh, with what we know him as is also an important thing. So I th- say let's go find out. Huzzah. 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 This is the cut point, and then we'll go see the movie and come back and talk about it more. You shouldn't make songs like that, because I'm going to leave them in. I'm fine with it. I wouldn't sing if I wasn't fine with it. I say other stupid things that, you know, like I'm doing now, that you're going to leave in, and I'm shooting myself in the foot, so I should stop talking, but now it's like a thing, and I don't know how to end it. Um, so this is the real cut point where we're going to go see the movie. Please cut. So we just re-listened to that as well. And I, I don't know about you guys, but listening back to what I, what I had thought pre-movie and comparing it to what we, we saw in the actual solo film, there were a couple points where I was like, yeah, that happened. And then there were a couple points where I was like, that, that did not go the way I expected. But overall, I felt like it was a good, fun time. Uh, John, you and I have both seen it twice at this point. Yes. And Mike, uh, this was your first time seeing Correct. it. Correct. My opinion uh, about the film overall is that it was... It was just a good, fun Star Wars movie. Like, I enjoyed it. I worried that I wasn't going to have as much fun with it the second time I saw it. I still really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to coming back to this one in the future. It's probably not going to make the top of my lists going forward, but it's certainly not going to be at the bottom. So that was my overall impression of the film. John, how about yourself? I did not hate it, so therefore I enjoyed it. According to how the internet tells me, I must rate things. <laughs> <laughs> and you must listen to the internet. Yes. Right. Inter- internet is truth. Internet is love. Right. But going off of what you said in your expectations, basically, it was if it wasn't terrible, you were going to have a you were going to enjoy it. So that seems yep. to that seems to match up uh, well with that prediction. How about yourself, Mike? Uh, I had I had a lot of fun watching it, just like the two of you, but. I think I wasn't a big fan of the story in general, but I had a lot of fun and enjoyed a lot of singular moments within the movie. Okay, that's fair enough. Do you think that this movie 
affected your opinion of Han Solo as a character at all? Because I remember beforehand we had talked about how he he really wasn't one of your favorite characters mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah, I still don't like the guy, but I enjoyed the movie that he was in and the characters that were around him. So I don't like. I didn't hate the movie because it was a Han Solo movie. So I guess, you know, they did a lot of things outside of him that really made it enjoyable for me. So that's good. Absolutely. Uh, John, any other uh, points about maybe Han Solo's character in this film and how, uh, how he was portrayed and seen and comparing that to his lifespan in star Wars, I guess as, as a character or just, I, I kind of went into the character bit just because, that was a point that Mike had made earlier that he wasn't one of his favorite characters. Mm. I wanted to know if he got any more sort of anything more out of the character in the, uh, in the preview show, Mike, you'd mentioned that. And just now that you weren't a big fan of the character. Mm. And I believe we all agreed that we had to come out of that movie or we wanted to always come out of that movie feeling like we weren't sure if Han would join the rebels. I, I think we all wanted him to like, still be a scoundrel and sort of thing mm-hmm. and i'm i'm still kind of on the fence on if they completed that because he did help out people in need but he also did it for himself right sort of yeah we kind of got those glimmers but we didn't necessarily i i don't think they fulfilled it to the point that it could have been and they did that for a particular reason but before i say anything else john i think it is time to put up the spoiler notification because we are going to go deep into Solo as a movie. If you don't want to know anything about the film, if you haven't seen it yet, if all you wanted to know was whether or not we liked it, didn't like it, you need to stop listening right now. Spoilers ahead, people. Spoilers ahead. Let's let's kind of get into our favorite moments of, of the, the movie. Uh... Mike, you mentioned that you had, you know, you like some very specific moments. Yeah, I think uh, the L3 droid really was a home run for me. Everything that she was about and all of the dialogue, like, between her and Amelia Clark on the ship was phenomenal. Um, yeah, everything about that droid and the lines that she had in there was a lot of fun. Um I think I think Lando uh, with Donald Glover was a really good character. I think he did a really good job with that role um, in the kind of limited amount of time that he had. I don't I th- I think it would have been nice to have a little bit more with him, but he came in halfway through and then you know he wasn't really involved in the quest, so he just kind of sat on the ship. So we didn't get anything but a couple lines after they cut back to him on the ship. So I mean I. For someone as talented as that, I, I, you know, I would have liked to seen a little bit more, but I understand that he wasn't really a part of the the quest, so it makes sense that he wasn't. But, um, so yeah, everything about him and his droid were a lot of fun for me. Um, I think the actors really did a good job with what they were given. Um, Amelia Clark was a really cool character that I didn't really see. I didn't see where she was going from the beginning and then there was just so many different times when I still couldn't figure her out and then by the end you kind of see that you know that that whole scene with Darth Maul and and you know that stuff so it was it was a lot of fun to see her character and it was it was the one that I didn't expect to do you know x and and she just kind of always eluded me and what I was expecting from her so that was really good on the on the writer's part for her character I thought um 
outside of that it had you know the really cool moments or you know the the millennium falcon was shown and and different things were shown which was really cool i i thought some of the times when they cut into music um like the classic star wars music when you saw classic star wars things happen like with the millennium falcon when uh amelia clark gave uh han solo's character his dice back you heard just a couple little notes of classic star wars music that was really cool um, I thought when they mixed that in. So, yeah, some very cool moments that I really appreciated um, outside of the kind of the big picture storyline. So you had a, a, a good feeling for some of those nostalgia moments yeah. in, in the film. Uh, that's good. I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of those moments, um, what we would most would probably categorize as fan service moments, mm-hmm. were, with the exception of, of, of one in particular, uh, I don't think there was any one fan service moment that was like too out of place or out of touch with the rest of the film like anything with the falcon and uh just with uh some of the lines that have said but that are said by by han and Chewie, like and 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 lando too there's that part at the end where you know lando says to han i hate you and he just goes i know like you know, yeah. it's a it's a fun little callback, right. but it, it's not, you know, it's not overreaching. Yeah, yeah. I like the whole Mimban sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one you were really looking forward to. Yeah, solely because I want to build one of those mud trooper costumes. I think they're awesome, mostly because it kind of brings back into canon the Imperial troopers. I, I like that they you never knew who they were fighting. I, I kind of made Han's reaction of, to the officer, like, what are we doing here? Like, make more sense. Like, we don't know who we're, they're fighting. He doesn't know who they're fighting. Why are they there? I, I like that there was a Imperial officer commissar running around encouraging <laughs> his men to go forward and then blew up immediately. <laughs> that seems to be the standard role of commissars in all World War II movies. Fair enough. What about those little uh, fan service moments dotted throughout? You and I had a big discussion on the range that those can go through. I'm still not sure on a lot of them because there were there were a ton in there that if you didn't read any of the old novels, if you're not caught up in all of your expanded universe and other media, there, there's a lot of references dropped that you want to get. I'm right here, John. Oh, <laughs> oh, <they> might, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, so there's there's a lot in there like. When when Kira drops that she knows Terakasi, when we went to go see it, and the guy, me and the guy next to me were super stoked on that because that's a incredibly terrible video game reference that was dropped, and I like like that. But there was sometimes when characters would say things that you would know from other Star Wars movies. It, it's not that they didn't feel out of place or shoved in; they just kind of felt awkward to me. Okay, like with stormtroopers in the Krillian spaceport, just like constantly saying "move along." Which is, like, what the first thing we hear them saying are not on Tatooine. I don't know if that's a reference or just, like, standard protocol to get people moving. Right. So, like, I can't really be upset with that. And there was a couple other lines like that where one could argue that it was a fan service thing, but it could also just be people say words in galaxies. So... People say words in galaxies. You oh, heard it here first. I, I, did, I did enjoy all the ton of items in um dryden boss's office or whatever that is where they're, they're fighting at penthouse, the penthouse maybe yeah probably penthouse um there were a ton of references to the to the old eu um big old crystal skull from one of han solo's adventure novels 
also the fertility idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark is in there. And there's like a bunch of these like random things shoved in there that you probably you wouldn't know. And like 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 the thing with the other fan service comment just whenever just a few minutes ago. Yeah, like those the, ones uh, I enjoyed, but then there's some I didn't enjoy, and I like I don't know. I'm can, still confused about all of them. How did you guys <laughs> feel about the Imperial March in a major key being the like official recruitment sound in the uh, in the recruitment center? They're just blasting it and showing propaganda for the Empire. Well, oh. it was. I'll oh, go ahead, Mike. No, you go ahead. No, no you hang out. Okay, I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you noticed the scene, but it's the the Imperial March that they played in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, I thought it Imperial was Day. slightly different. It might have been. It, it was really drowned out by the sound of a space busy spaceport. Okay, that's fair. I enjoyed that there's Imperial recruitment ads, just because now I want them playing constantly. Those propaganda posters they had hanging up were pretty rad. Well, that was one thing I, I did want to do is when they're racing through Corellia's freeze frame that movie just to see all the graffiti that, that's sprayed on the wall all over the place. Oh, to, yeah. That'll to be see fun. what the nonsense is. How about you, Mike? I'm for it. For it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other big moments, you guys, that, that really... What about uh, we, we see the Kessel Run in this movie? Uh, the fabled Kessel Run. We've been hearing about it for... 30 years so uh how did you like the way it was presented now mike you're not super familiar with all the eu stuff yes so i don't know how much you knew about the kessel run pre this movie Uh uh-huh but what was your what was what was your take on it Uh, it was just it was fun space exploration and and you know taking us through the galaxies um i think the jokes about it and like the references about it hit me more than you know the actual space travel did like you know and they're him and you know chewy and, and lando are all on the beach and say you got to round down to make a 12 par sex that was that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that line um <laughs> you and the guy next to you in the theater you were both like ha yeah that was good that guy really enjoyed it though um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was a fun space exploration little moment. So, I mean, it's nothing more than that. It was, it was a lot of fun for me. Now, John, you are more familiar with yes. the origins so, of the Kessel Run. I grew up with thinking that Kessel was a potato shaped asteroid, astro- like planetoid asteroid, uh, which was solely because of the Star Wars card game where, the location for Kessel was a potato-shaped asteroid planetoid sort of thing. Asteroid planetoid is a fun thing to say. Um, <laughs> Should be a song. I, I did like the, the their interpretation of the Ma cluster, which in the EU is around Kessel and uh, Admiral Dalla's research station that is I, I highly doubt is anywhere near anything canon anymore. Hmm. Um where it was just it was just a mess to navigate, and that the reason you couldn't get to Kessel that quickly was because you had to navigate a nebula full of black holes. They still have they threw in a black hole in there for good measure. That was the Maw, uh, but I did like that they had they had to navigate this weird smoky passageway to get to to get to Kessel, which helps to realize the legend of like why Kessel's so hard to get to. Um, you can't just jump to Kessel and jump back. 
we got a little glimpse of uh, another space-dwelling species in the form of a giant multi-eyed tentacle beast mm-hmm. living in the the maelstrom on the castle run that thing like just screamed hp lovecraft at me with all the many eyes and the tentacles and it, it kind of uh, one thing this is completely irrelevant but it looked to me a little bit like a uh, reaper from Mass Effect, kind of had that same head shape going on at the very end. You're looking at the wrong person. Yeah, right? I know. It's just it's it's for <laughs> if it's, he was looking at me, it would still be the wrong person. It's it's for <laughs> it's for other people. It's just, but uh, it was kind of fun. No, I I really enjoyed the whole the whole Kessel Run aspect. Oh. It it was it was again like the I'm going to use the word fun a lot in the description of this movie. But it it just was fun, and it was kind of an inventive way to get a a new sort of space travel segment in Star Wars because we've we've seen them navigating the asteroid fields before, and we've seen them doing kind of space battle uh, segments. But this was this was cool because it was a puzzle as well as a challenge you know it wasn't it wasn't just straightforward like rely entirely on your ability to steer the ship like a lot of different elements had to come together to help everybody get through this and it wasn't solely on Han like without Chewbacca's co-piloting skills wouldn't have made it out of there without uh L3's navigational charts without her brain yeah without her brain being downloaded Mm. into the Falcon uh, that without Kira getting out of the way for Chewbacca to sit down and actually do his job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y- you know, you don't know what you're doing, so why sit there in the first place? Because <laughs> she has that moment where Han barks orders at her, and she's just like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great plan," and just like doesn't sits there. doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, poor Lando, it, the the ship gets wrecked. At the end, we're we're jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves here, I guess, in in chronological uh, order here. So you have done that yourself. I absolutely have done that myself. Like that's for you. Uh, and it is an accurate quote in this particular instance. So when we uh, let's 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 go back to the beginning here. We we open on Corellia. And we see an even younger than young Han going through his hard life on the streets. What what did you guys think of the portrayal of Corellia and its sort of the lifestyle that's led there? I just, I like how dark they started out the movie. I thought that, you know, you, you knew it was going to be Star Wars eventually. You knew you were going to get space and you are going to get really bright scenes. But it, it started off dark and in you know, the sewers and, you know, kind of the alleyways. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, there's a movie about a, a smuggler and a good, bad guy, whatever you want to call him. I thought that w- set a really good precedent in starting it off really dark and really um, closed off. And then they just kind of expanded it from there. I thought that was a really cool touch. Cool. Uh, I, I also liked how, like, grungy the the shipyards were. The, the way that they designed the, the city that they were in. It reminded me a lot of Centerpoint Station, which is a ancient space station that orbits Corellia in the old EU. It's this incredibly advanced technology, which is just has a bunch of basically refugees that turned it into a giant slum in space. 
And so, yeah, I got that feel from it. The one thing that I really thought was cool was they started it with this, like, kind of hot rod chase. And I think they did that to kind of reflect American Graffiti, another vehicle Han Solo was in, or Harrison Ford was in. You guys get it? Vehicle. So it's like a car or some sort of way to promote a person sort of thing. Yeah, I get you. You I'm following. I'm I'm picking Um, up what you're putting down. So I I I took English. I like that they they portrayed, or Alden, they had Alden portray Harrison as Han Solo as his character from American Graffiti. And I kind of felt like they did that throughout the movie where he was playing, they had him play other Harrison Ford characters that we all know in a Hmm. way to kind of like merge them all together because there's no way that you can have anyone else play Han Solo besides Han Solo because we know Harrison Ford from all these other things and they all just kind of merge together. So the only way to get someone else to play Han Solo is to get them to be able to play other Harrison Ford actors. or uh, Sure, characters. Thank you. Not Harrison Ford actors. <laughs> Harrison <laughs> Ford actors. Uh, so does Alden that make Alden, Alden a Harrison Ford actor? <laughs> yes. Any other particular scenes on Corellia that uh, caught your fancy? I like that when he's uh, caught and talking to Lady Proxima that he does that whole kind of like manipulation with the thermal detonator that is clearly just a rock. Bluffing. Yeah. It's called bluffing. And it's not even like a good bluff because he's making the activation noises with his mouth. I thought that was great. Oh, um, speaking of Lady Proxima, they didn't have a crawl, but they just kind of had titles come up on the screen. Yeah, title cards. And I appreciated that, like in the crawl, important words would be... Oh, all caps. Oh, uppercase. Oh, yeah, uppercase. Yeah, thank you. All caps, uppercase. I kept wanting to say uppercase. Oh. Eh, it's the same thing. But I also like that the language that they used to describe things was very reminiscent of A New Hope, where Lady oh, Proxima yeah. is referred to as the foul Lady Proxima. Like, that is... That is fifties B movie all over it, like fifties sci fi B movie. All yeah, it's over got it. that. It's got that uh, sci fi fantasy sort of flavoring to it, where adjectives were king. There, there's there's a part in the very very beginning of the Corellia scenes that it 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 caught my attention twice. It's like the very first scene of the movie, and it bothered me a little bit because it is Han trying to jumpstart this speeder that he's stealing. And they just brightly flash. They go from pitch black to just the flashing of the eyes, the flashing of the lights and the scene so quickly. And it took, in both times I saw the film, it was just like, ah, oh, why? <laughs> why would you do this? But it certainly gets you, you pumped and ready for, for that. Uh, I, I enjoyed the whole sewer sequence. I agree with you guys. The making it kind of dirty and gritty really helped sell that this is, this is not a good area. Uh, the fact that Lady Proxima is literally a bottom-dwelling, like, you know, sewer creature uh, was was fascinating. And that they were hurt by the sunlight, too. Mm-hmm. When Han throws the rock through and the sun comes in and everybody scatters, that was... It was a thermal detonator. Yeah, thermal detonator. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thermal rockinator. Rockinator. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Yep. Uh, one one thing I, I didn't like about the sequence, the whole opening, is I felt like they used Kira's character basically just give exposition for people that didn't know what was going on. Han's character would say something like, oh, we need to go do this, or like, oh, like I have this thing, and then she would have this kind of like awkward description of what that was, like a summarizing of what that was. Sure, I... I thought that was... It, it kind of like... It was a little it was, heavy-handed for you? Yeah, it felt like, like weird... Um, 
Just weird dialogue. Yeah, weird dialogue that was like, oh, maybe we should explain Lady Proxima, or maybe we need to explain that Hyperfuel is worth money. Okay, uh, what do you think about that, Mike? I I've, I don't have any opinions about that. Okay, I I won't go against Khaleesi. I no. thought it. I thought it was Misa. <laughs> I I didn't really see it as heavy handed. Like I thought it was kind of necessary, and they do a lot of that in Star Wars just yeah. in general. So maybe it's just because I'm used to it in this particular movie. But I can I can see your point there with it being you know maybe a little bit. But if you're gonna have that in the movie, the very beginning is good. Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed about having the Han and Kira relationship set up so early in the film is that. It really helped you, at least it really helped me, establish that this is a different part in Han Solo's life that I'm looking at. And I was immediately able to kind of put, you know, his relationships with Leia and with the characters from A New Hope kind of out of my head and just be like, alright, this is obviously a different part of Han Solo's life and... I don't need to be making as many connections and judgments about that as maybe I subconsciously thought I had to, because of course he's the same character. But that that I liked. I help. I think that the relationship with Kira being set up right away, right at the beginning, is like bam, great. Like I can put all that aside and just focus on this relationship. Focus on this story that they're going to tell. That kind of covers most of the sewer kind of scenes. There's a the and we talked a little bit about the car chase segment which was cool uh i liked establishing that han was a skillful driver and had the makings for a great pilot and it was a cool chase scene it was just fun and then we talked a little bit about the uh the spaceport and the recruitment center do you guys have anything to add on to those scenes at all that you that really stood out to you or maybe didn't like so much solo becoming his name i think was a key moment in there. Yeah, how did you feel about that? I I thought it was fine. I I didn't I you know, obviously I didn't know that that was coming or, you know, if that would or had already been established so we don't hear about him talking about his name before then, but you know, we kind of find that out at that point. I, I think it was it was fine. It was I I'm glad that it was, you know, given to him by somebody else instead of you know, it being a family name. I think that adds a little bit of flair to the character for sure. Sure. John, what do you um, think about that scene? I, th- I think it, it actually makes Han Solo's character better. In, in The Last Jedi and basically all the other movies, there's a huge emphasis on the fact that having somewhere you're coming from, like being from something important by family or by, by whatever, is what makes you something in this universe. I think that's why everyone's like a little bit disappointed that Ray's parents, or that Kyle says Ray's parents are nobody, because everybody wants her to be somebody's somebody. Mm-hmm. Luke and Last Jedi mentions that started to believe the legends of himself because he was a Skywalker. Right. And with Solo, Solo has this huge legend across the galaxy. Rey knows who he is, like immediately knows who he is. Um, And he doesn't have that pedigree, I guess. Yeah, he's a self-made man, like literally. Yeah, exactly. I I thought that was really cool that he doesn't have somebody's... You know, he's he's not part of someone's lineage that makes him special. He is special because he's Han Solo. Right. I agree with you. I, I think I, I enjoyed the scene. This is definitely one of those ones where I know people are going to say that they don't like it. And I, I can understand that viewpoint. Because it's, it's a little... Unless you 
get deeper into the thought process behind it like John just did. And I think it was a very good analysis. Uh, just watching it off the top of the head, it's just, you know, some random Imperial recruiter thinking he's being clever by typing in, Oh, you're by yourself? Well then, you're going to be Han Solo. But it, all in all, I, I really enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. I thought that was great. I, I love that recruitment officer because he reminded me of the recruitment officer in Starship Troopers. Oh, okay. Uh, when when Han comes up and he's like, "I want to be a pilot," and the guy's like, "Well, most guys go into the go into the infantry or go straight into the infantry." And it just reminded me of the Starship Troopers guy, where then he pushes away from the desk to reveal he has no legs, and he's like, "Oh, the mobile infantry is what made me the man I am today." And then um, Johnny Rico's like, uh, "I don't want to do this sort of thing." So I thought that was that was kind of a kind of a fun thing. Cool. And we go immediately from that scene into the Mimban. Uh, assault, and this is where Han eventually uh, meets up with Tobias Beckett and his crew. So, and he meets Chewbacca on Mimban as well. Awkward. So, uh, what did you guys think of the whole Mimban uh, kind of sequences? I think, I think it was good that they established Han as like a renegade early on. Even in like he's supposed to be a soldier, he's supposed to you know go full force into following orders and immediately that was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? And, and it cut three years in advance. I just want to know like how many minutes did it take for him to be a renegade and how many years has he been that way? Right. Or did he follow orders at the beginning and then started kind of losing that? I'm, I'm kind of curious of how that kind of timeline happened. The he three years that he was He there. does mention that he was in the, the Imperial Naval Academy. Academy and that he got kicked out for having a mind of his own. Right. So I feel like it started It started <laughs> pretty, pretty early, yeah. <laughs> I'm still not sure how to feel about that line where he's like, I got kicked out because I have a mind of my own. And I think it's super corny, but I also think it's just because I've heard it for like months on end now. Oh, right. Yeah, it was a major trailer. And there was there's a number of times line. in that movie where he mentions like, I have a mind of my own or like, I don't always follow orders or stuff like that. And I'm like, where do you establish that? You don't need to keep <laughs> we, going we back. We know. And that, that could just be a, a result of um, um, the reshots or reshoots they had to do. Sure. Um, I, I'm, I read somewhere that this, the script was barely changed when Howard came back, but they did have to reshoot a bunch of stuff, so... Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's an understandable sort but, of thing. I, I love the intro of, of Tobias... Yeah, and his unnecessarily just, spinning pistols yeah, just, all the time. It, it, <laughs> I think I, I want to say in our in our preview our uh, our solo expectations podcast, I mentioned that it looked like it was just going to be the train job from Firefly, right? And at that point, he reminded me of Captain Mel Reynolds, just kind of like mm -hmm. out, like everyone's screaming, running around, like all scared. He's just in the middle, just you know, taking on everybody one at a time. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, another really important thing happens on Mimban here, and it's the first time we see Han and Chewie meet. So Han gets... Uh, he, he finds out that Tobias and Val and Rio, who all like helped him through that chaotic battle, end up being not who they say they are. They're actually there to, to steal a, a freighter so that they can use it on a job. Han wants to get on board with uh, with that, like Mike said. You know, he's he, even though he's part of this military machine, he's still like, nope, I I want out. I don't want to be doing this. Uh, he tries to get out, 
tries to blackmail them, and then gets thrown into a pit with a beast, and that beast ends up being Chewbacca. John, what are your feelings about uh, this meeting of the these characters? Um, when we went to go see it at uh, last Thursday at the Chinese Theater in L.A., yep, uh, we had a much different crowd than when we went to go see it today at our local Edwards. Backtracking real quick. Yo. Um, well, just before he gets thrown into the pit, he catches up with Tobias Beckett, and, and it's like, hey, I know you guys are cons, so help me out or I'm going to turn you in. And Tobias, who's dressed as a captain, flags down a random lieutenant and says, hey, this guy's a traitor. <laughs> and the random lieutenant fully believes him because he's a captain. And I just I just like this idea that Tobias knew that even though he's in a like obviously stolen uniform that it's got holes in it. Yeah, it's got massive holes in it that he knows that the Imperial officer will just follow orders. And I just <laughs> thought that was ingenious. And when that officer says, all right, we'll throw him to the beast, I knew exactly what that meant. And I heard a lot of people murmuring around us like, oh, I wonder what the beast is. Who could the beast be? I'm like, it's, it's going to be a Wookiee. Like, come on, guys. Haven't you guys seen the toys? Toys are spoilers, by the way. Don't don't toys. Yeah, not um, always, but sometimes they're false leads. Uh-huh. Like, remember that time the, the Lego released a sand snow speeder? Like a sand-colored snow speeder. Remember when they released Constable Zuvio? Yeah. Remember when he was a thing that wasn't in a movie? So, they throw him to the Beast. Right. And the Beast is Chewbacca. Yep. We know Chewbacca. He's a Wookiee. I've heard of those. Um, he's, he is rather large, and in this version, he is also very muddy dog. <laughs> and <laughs> should not be outside. Can't let him inside. Uh, yeah, but they... They, they fight, and I, I enjoyed the fight because Han realizes that the, they could they could kayfabe some fighting and uh, uh, get one over on their Imperial captors, which was funny, I guess. Was it funny, Mike? I mean, it was, I thought it was, was funny. It, funny? It, was, it was funny. It was kind of like straight out of a, a wrestling thing. It was, yeah. they, they pretended to fight for oh, a while. There's, there's a part where, so yeah, they, they're fighting, there's yeah. the... They damage a pole supporting the beams that the stormtroopers are standing on. Han entices, or not entices, the angry entices, that's the word I'm looking for, Chewie to attack him, and he spears him like Roman Reigns would do to anyone else. Right. Mike, what do you think about uh, the Chewbacca-Han Solo meet? Just like John, I, I knew the beast meant Chewbacca when uh, they said it. it I, didn't feel, catch I feel me dumb off guard. Now. Uh, but I did appreciate that they portrayed him as such at the beginning because he's like, he's a Wookiee, he's not understood by a lot of people. One of those people that does understand him is Han, and they have that general connection right off the bat, and everybody else around him just thinks of him as a beast. So I thought that that ideal set for like the rest of the time that you see Chewbacca, I think it was a good setup there. Um, I think it was really cool seeing them work together like immediately kind of click immediately um to figure out how to get out of the situation they were in it didn't take them a while to play as a team basically i thought that was really cool and then they could have went their separate ways but they turned out to be chained up and that was for our benefit because they had to stick around for a little bit so um yeah at first i thought it was weird on the first viewing that chewy kind of stops attacking his dinner Solely because Han can speak Sherwook. And now that I think back about it, I think maybe he he stopped 
fighting him because he speaks Sherwick because it means that this human has gone out of his way to learn this obscure language. Right. And so maybe there's a lot of things in this movie where I, I feel like they, they put it in there to try to explain things they didn't need to explain. Ian, how how'd you feel about Chewie? How did I feel about Chewie? Uh, well, I, I kind of feel dumb because you two both were like, hey, we we saw it coming a mile away. And I was probably a little bit ahead of the audience in our first viewing, but also not like where you guys were, where it was at the Beast. Oh, it's Chewbacca! Like, I was like, the Beast? Oh, I really hope they don't do like a copy of Return of the Jedi. And then he's in the mud pit with the chain, and I'm like, huh, I wonder where this is going. And it wasn't until I saw the first footprint that I was like, oh, it's totally Chewie. And then after that, the rest of the audience like was like, "It's Chewie!" Yeah. So, but I feel I feel dumb. Like I wasn't I wasn't expecting that to be where they met for some reason. And I mm-hmm. think one of the really interesting things about this is that historically, when we look at at Wookiee culture and look at sort of the extended universe info on Wookiees, there's this big emphasis on life debts and how that's like a thing in their culture that was supposedly how Han and Chewie met. Maybe it's mentioned by Chewbacca in this movie. We don't know because Sherwood's not subtitled. All of his lines, however, were written out. That was an interesting thing in English. So they all have actual meetings in the script. The fact that the life debt or that entire situation was never mentioned in the entirety of the movie was something that was surprising to me. And I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, because I, it was one of those things that I think could have been very heavy handed if they put it in there, but it's more implied if you know about it rather than blatantly said. So maybe that's why, like, I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't sure why they were meeting this way, but I really did enjoy it. I liked that Han spoke some Shurwook. Uh, I don't know where he would have picked it up, uh, but I, I do I do like that that was how they met. I agree with your guys' analysis on, um, you know, the fact that he spoke it, like, showed that he took the time to learn it, and it brought the beast back down to an actual person. Uh, well, I mean, person with quotations. Wow, John. They end up escaping uh, the pit by doing some sweet wrestling moves. Tobias Beckett's crew is hijacking this ship, John, do you remember the name of the planet that these ice caps are on with um, this Imperial train? Varda? Varda? Okay. Something like that. So we had a couple good character moments with Han, Chewie, Beckett, Val, and Rio Durant, who are the crew that are going to end up doing this job that they needed this ship for. So what do you guys think about that sort of sequence and and seeing those characters kind of come together as a crew. I liked that it didn't go just according to plan right away, and it was it was a mess because it was kind of a ragtag crew. They joined up at the last minute, like Val said, this wasn't the the plan, and they just kind of had to figure it out as they went. And it clearly it didn't go as planned because not everything went according to plan and then you know, with with the end with with Han dropping the cargo 
um, clearly wasn't part of the plan. And it, so it's just kind of, it was just a mishmash of, of different, differing opinions of how it should have went and what should have happened if everything went according to plan. So it was a lot of fun just kind of seeing everything just go wrong and what, what the reactions were from the rest of the, the team. I loved Tobias Beckett in this again when when they trip whatever alarm is sends the the range troopers out to start shooting at him. Han and Chewie dive off the side to take cover and Tobias Beckett just stands where he is and just continues to fire back and eventually uses a an access hatch on the top as cover which you know it's like two feet by two feet and he somehow managed to get all of Woody Harrelson behind it to shoot back (laughs) and he's just calm and calm and cool so i thought that was i really liked that part of the 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 train sequence they they did a lot of developing tobias's character especially in this scene when we first meet him you kind of get this sort of yes we're villains but we're a ragtag group and i'm the leader and i care about my crew and i have a good feeling about these guys who are just new coming on we need the help like, you get this sort of caring mentor idea from him, and you believe it, even though we just watched him, like, literally throw Han to a beast. Like, <laughs> and they were they were totally prepared to kill him, not, like, two, three hours ago. But you still get this idea that, that they are the, the Han Solo archetype that we kind of came to know. But that, that just continues to go up and down and back and forth with Tobias especially because Tobias is the only one of his original crew that makes it off this job. Him, Chewie, and Han. Val blows herself up because she gets pinned by Viper droids further down the line, which I thought personally was it was it was kind of a waste of that character and Thandy Newton's acting abilities. I mean, there's not much more I can say on right. that. It's not, it's not, the, the, this is the movie we got. So, and then uh, Rio Durant, who Rio might have been, like, he might be my favorite secondary character with his forearms and his just quips going back and forth about how, you know, humans can't fly ships because, you know, how do you guys breathe in these helmets? Can't see, can't hear each other. <laughs> he was definitely my MVP of the scene just because like he's so headstrong and just like he's still flying the ship even though clearly he's not in a position to do so. He got shot in the back like three times and he's just like I'm fine. And then he you know he finally does when he passes out and I just, yeah, I was I was a big fan of of Rio from the start. It was like, you know, this kid's growing on me when, you know, they're they're pulling out and they find Han and Chewie um, you know, running back. So yeah, I I really liked I really liked that character with how little we got of him. I thought it was really strong and and really well developed for what we got. We also had the appearance of Emphis Nest in this sequence. Now, Emphis Nest to me is a really awesome character, but then she kind of drops in cool for me after we see her towards the end of the film, but in this sequence by itself she and the Cloud Riders are just, they are, they are rad going up. And it's kind of interesting, I noticed on the second watching, that some of the speeder bikes they had were, were kind of junky. Like yeah, the swoops. The, the, the swoops that they had, like, some of the engines were, like, cutting out, like, as they were flying. So they're basically on machines that they are probably only 80% sure work, 
going headlong into a conflict between Imperials and another group of thieves on a speeding train that also has like some anti-grav stuff going on. So that's pretty balls to the wall crazy. Uh, the fighting, that scene where she fights, uh, jumps onto the train and fights uh, Tobias was was a very cool action sequence, in my opinion. And it was just a, a fun sort of thing overall. Uh, what did you guys think of Emphis Nest in this sequence? In this sequence, the character was really cool. They, they keep calling the, the Cloud Riders marauders and pirates, and that's like exactly the, the feeling you get when she jumps down starts chopping away with her vibro axe or i think it's a vibro axe but i i had the same thing with you that towards the end of the movie i feel like they they diminish the idea of infus nest yeah yeah i agree so i, I agree. no no problems with the the actress the plater no no um, not at all it's it was a weird reveal but, it was a character issue it yeah. wasn't anything to do with the acting or, or anything I, just, I, I like the idea that it wasn't just them versus the train and them versus the imperial forces it it turned out to be this third party that kind of screwed it up for both teams yeah um i thought that was really cool that yeah it was it it didn't go according to plan not because of the enemy but because of just some other people that showed up and screwed it up for everybody so (laughs) i thought that was i thought that was a really fun take and and really fun way to kind of introduce those characters as being kind of the pests that are in the the you know the thorn in the side of tobias beckett well the reason that they are doing this whole train heist in the first place is that they are there to get refined hyperfuel now refined hyperfuel is apparently a very precious resource. The crime syndicates are warring over it. That was all mentioned in the title cards. Uh, the I, the thing that Han and Kira were trying to get off planet with to bribe their way off was a vial of refined hyperfuel. And this is an entire train car full of it. And it kind of blows up because Emphis and Han, they both have their ships hooked on to this crate of refined hyperfuel and they're heading towards a mountain and they can't like split up and Han decides to that it's worth risking the loss of this game of chicken he has to let go of the cargo Chewbacca and Tobias are like holding on to a line and uh, as soon as they let go emphasis speeder bike can't handle it it goes up goes right into the uh, the mountainside and blows it up and which is admittedly a really cool-looking explosion. And we we go to find out that Tobias and crew were not warring over this hyperfuel for themselves or their own profit. They actually owed somebody. And that somebody is Dryden Voss, who is the head of the crime syndicate. Well, he is a boss. He is a boss. Mm-hmm. The boss that we know of. Crimson Dawn. Of the Crimson Dawn. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Crimson Raiders, and that is a different thing. He's the head of the Crimson Dawn, so he's a boss. He is. He is not the head of Crimson Dawn. He, I would argue. They mention many times that he has a boss. That's that's fair. That he's worth. But they go like, I, "Do you know who he works for?" Sort of thing. Uh yeah, yeah, that's fair. I was gonna make an argument saying like, but not everybody knows who he works for. But he specifically says to Tobias. You know who I work for. Yeah. So You're in the right yeah. ballpark. Yeah, he, he is a boss, and he is the head of the Crimson Dawn that we see 
up until the very end of the film. Tobias basically says, hey, I have to go talk to this guy, and hopefully he won't murder my face uh, for failing him. But Han and Chewie agree that the money is worth the risk, and they go to see Dryden Voss on a ship. It was it was really similar to in The Last Jedi when we saw Finn uh, in the like casino world, um, mm-hmm. where uh, Woody Harrelson has that line, none of these people are your friends. Um, you see just a bunch of debutantes and, and upper, you know, the rich folk and... You know, these are just kind of a couple ragtag swindlers that just don't kind of belong, and and you kind of get that dichotomy, and then in comes the person that connects everything, which is Amelia Clark's character, and then it just kind of shakes it up from there. But the intro of it was really good, and and kind of brought me back to that that moment in Last Jedi, um, and then you get to kind of the meat and potatoes of the scenes when you get Amelia Clark back, and then. She just kind of drives it from there. It turns out that she is Dryden Voss's top lieutenant. Right. Which is very convenient for Han. John, how about you? What did you think of these scenes? You know, every every Star Wars has, for whatever reason, now has that, that cantina sort of-ish theme to it. Like, yeah. You, you go to a place where... Uh, we see new things and like how a different culture is in a bar, basically. Uh, this movie had it several times. Cause yeah, it's, just, it's true. But it's the nature of the scoundrel lifestyle. You know, you're always going right. to be in kind of shady places. I I didn't really get a prequel vibe, to, or not a. I didn't really get a Last Jedi, uh, uh, Canto Bite feel to it. I got more of a prequel vibe to it. Um, okay. Which. Which I liked because it, it showed that they weren't afraid to show something kind of prequely in it. I feel like a lot of the time Disney tries to stay away from that aspect. Or at least Lucasfilm in general tries to stay away from the the prequels. I, I like that they they're kinda there kinda seems to be a, a recent like push to kind of bring them back to into the fold so you by that logic it'll take just 10 merely 10 years for people to get over the things they don't like about the last jedi um no we're (laughs) gonna need another trilogy for people to hate on and then be like well at least in the at least in the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy blah 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 (laughs) you you know because it's a vicious cycle yeah it's interesting that you, you say that that scene didn't remind you of the prequels and that, Mike, you compared it to the Canto Bite sequence because the one thing I hear about that Canto Bite sequence the most from a lot of people is that Canto Bite reminded them of the prequels. Mm-hmm. So I think that is is kind of interesting how you two had differing uh, feelings on I did I did like how there were... Some familiar alien races in in Viden, uh, Dryden's ship. Yes. I also enjoyed that there were clearly Imperial officers just running around. <laughs> in full and uniform. I, I love that, that idea that, like, um, like we, we've always seen the Empire as, as the villains. And in this one, we don't really see them as the villains in the movie. We see them just as kind of like the status quo law enforcement. And we even see them... We see the imperial gate ticket oh yeah in the, uh, on uh, steward yeah uh clearly just like I'll, I'll i'll take a bribe that's fine and then you see these um imperial officers just hanging around in a in a gangster's house yeah and so i, I thought that was kind of cool <laughs> yeah i agree i think that was that was a neat sequence uh with with 
just getting to see the underbelly and how it it reminded me of Jabba's palace trying to look like Canto Bite, you know? Like mm-hmm. it was it still it had that same seedy sort of feel, but it had the the glamour v- facade. Yeah, totally. around it. And uh Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, I thought was was really good. Um which is interesting seeing as he was he was a recast because the original actor couldn't uh, make it back to do reshoots. So uh, I, I, I liked his character a lot. I thought he was... He, he definitely had that sort of... When I'm out in public and I'm the face and I can get something out of you, I'm going to be polite and nice. But the minute you do something to piss me off, I'm going to stab you with these weird knives? Yeah, he... <laughs> he was very menacing. When Tobias and Chewie and Han show up, he Dryden knows that he's going to kill these guys because they failed him. Right. And he knows that there's nothing that they can do to make it up. Um, but he's still, like, kind and courteous to them until he brings them into the back room. And even at that point, like, he, he's like, I'm going to murder you. You need to give me a reason not to do it. Like, he's still giving him that chance. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is, you know, he... he this movie does a good job of taking things that we normally just kind of lump together into these are the bad guy categories and showing us different facets of that in different characters. Well, there's there's not a lot of quote-unquote just good guys in this movie. There's right. there's a whole lot of people that just do bad things and so you have to you have to kind of break up the bad guy into different people and then give them different traits. But I think Paul Bettany does a great job at becoming the ultimate bad guy in this movie in a movie about bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What did you guys think of Kira reappearing in this sequence? Like it, to me it was I don't I really liked her character. Uh storytelling wise it was one of the most like convenient things which i mean it didn't it didn't feel negative like that's it, it's weird to point that out and then say it's it wasn't a negative thing for me it's just like oh this is a thing that happened i'm gonna say star wars is filled with convenient things at you know what and that is that's probably I mean, why it doesn't in, feel too in the, bad in the regular trilogy everybody knows everybody's everybody which brings us into the introduction of Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian. Therm Scissor Punch. Uh, who? He's the lobster. <laughs> he so has a name, yeah. His name is Therm Scissor Punch. Is that right? And he yep. is the best character of cool. this movie. <laughs> uh, we are introduced to Lando in a gambling hall uh, playing Sabacc. And Han gets it into his head that instead of just going up to him and asking him to be their pilot, that he can win the ship off of him. So he sits down at the table and they begin to play. Now this was a fun sequence. Uh, what did you guys think about it? Yeah, like you said, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, Donald Glover was just made the character... Cut that out later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Yeah, Donald Glover was just really added a lot, and he just had his own kind of style, and 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot like Billy D. Williams, but you know he took a, a lot of that and just kind of added to it, and it was it was just a fun way of introducing the two in a seedy area that both of them would you would expect them to be uh, bluffing their way and just kind of bragging their way into this one scene where they both think they have the upper hand and they're both definitely for sure going to win this thing and one of them does and one of them is kind of naive and thinking that he does so i thought it was a really cool like battle of wits between the two and you just kind of expect that out of those two whenever you come to think of those two characters it definitely felt like han and lando right like they they felt like the characters that they were supposed to be and uh i i like that lando had all of this sort of swagger and this you know, I'm I'm the smooth guy, but he still had to cheat at the game in order to win. Yeah, he had the the card hidden up his sleeve. Uh, the the location was cool too. Like it it felt it felt like a speakeasy gambling hall. Like it was it was a very you know crowded sort of affair, and everybody's kind of really intent and in watching the game. We got to see. Some new and old aliens uh, at the table, uh, which again, John, you you mentioned before how it was good to see some of the old, uh, the the original trilogy aliens make a comeback, and which has been a complaint of mine in the new trilogy is that I I wanted to see more of that galaxy that we know mixing with the new stuff, and they did a very good job of it in this particular film. Card game scenes bore me to death. Okay. Uh, Casino Royale was was so boring. That was like, like 45 cannot, minutes of cards, though. I cannot remember anything about that movie. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad they didn't make it this, like, high stakes, high stress, I'm... John is falling asleep because people are playing cards moment. Right. Where they, they, did, they moved through it pretty quickly, and it was... Mostly just Han and Lando trading uh, clever quips, right, and then throwing cards at each other, which is how I play poker, specifically. It's my personal style. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I did like that Lando was cheating the whole time. Yep. To me, that that makes his character even more interesting. Like like Han later becomes, uh, he's like a legendary smuggler and whatever, and you kind of see that like some of that might not. <laughs> be as accurate as uh as people think it is but everything right. they say about him is true oh snap he did say that but he also did cheat so that's <laughs> so if someone called him a che- cheater does that make it true well, i yeah. mean i guess oh. it would be uh-huh yeah lando wins the game through nefarious means uh han has a big pout about it he lost his ship yeah he lost the, the ship, ship that he, that he have. didn't right. have yeah it's a bummer oh and I, i'm not sure if if this is the part uh the ship that Han mentions, I believe, I'm not 100% on this, is the same model as the Ghost in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, I know that ship. Yeah. See uh, Kira's kind of influence and why she is there take a hold here where she just goes up to Lando and says, hey, please do this thing for us. Take us to Kessel. Uh, Lando agrees for a cut of the pay. So, So I have a theory on this. Okay, what's your theory? So... He agrees to the cut. He says, "I'm." Well, he says he wants fifty percent, and Tobias says, "You'll get twenty-five. He's like, "Okay, I'll take forty. You'll get twenty-five. He's like, "Okay, I'll take it." And then they, he takes them down to the where the Falcon is, and he's like, "I like to keep my ship locked up." 
And for some reason, they have to cut into the fence of the place she's keeping his ship locked up. And then they get down there, and Tobias uh, mentions that, oh, it also looks like you uh, you have some ground clamps, and they've impounded your ship. I'm 90, or not even 90, I'm 100% sure at this point, the only reason he's agreed is because he knows that Tobias has experience with taking these locks off ships. And he's going to take the price down anyway, so that's why he started high. Yes. Yeah. I, know, I think the only reason he joined is because he knew that he's gonna, this guy's going to be able to get his ship out of him. <laughs> nice. That Yeah, because, I can totally see that. Because there are several times in it where he's like, you know, he wants this high cut, and Tobias is like, it's not going to happen. He's like, okay, I'll relent because this seems like a good idea or whatever. Especially when he's like, oh, Tobias, don't you have access, uh, don't you have experience with this? And Tobias is like, oh, it's going to be another 5% off your cut. And he goes, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I'll, whatever he says, like, yeah. but, I, but, but I'll, but I'll, I'll accept. accept. Yeah, yeah but I accept. <laughs> and it's it's only because this is the only person to be able to get a ship off uh, off the planet now out of out of lock. We also see uh, L three. We get introduced to L three, which is Lando's. I, I hesitate to say it's Lando's droid because she, she doesn't is, belong to yeah, she, she is very she independent, is a strong, independent, uh, kind of beigeous droid. You don't need no man. Right, she is a she's a f- interesting character. I I enjoyed her. She's all about uh, droid rights and like freeing droids from slavery, right. essentially. And <laughs> the first time we see her, she's like screaming at a BattleBots droid. She's screaming fight at operator. Clint Howard, which I yeah. find he's probably gets used to. People <laughs> screaming at him, right? And during that scene where you see the uh, the droid battles, all I wanted to shout was, let's kick some bot. <laughs> and I figured it, no matter where I was, it would be inappropriate to yell that. Because I think me, three other people might get that <laughs> reference. <laughs> uh, L3 is a very interesting character. Star Wars, we see a lot of independent droids. With the exception of maybe R2-D2, who communicates exclusively in beeps, most of those droids still at the end of the day are just doing what they're told. The L3 is like to- she's she's a breath of fresh air in that like she's doing stuff because she wants to, because she likes hanging out with Lando and she makes a big huff about it too, which is fantastic. By the way, the scene where they're unlocking the clamps uh to the Falcon, I feel like that is the most Billy D Williams portrayal that Donald Glover does in this mm-hmm. entire film where he's just like Oh, this is unacceptable. I'm definitely going to have a word with somebody about this. Like, just, I, I was I was hearing and seeing Empire Strikes Back Lando mm-hmm. as he was doing that part, which I, I, I enjoyed in that instance. I, I said in our, our kind of, our car ride discussion. Yeah, there, there were a lot of parts in the movie that I felt that Donald Glover was playing a character of Lando, or a character of Billy D more than he was playing Lando, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I, I had no problem seeing him as Lando in that, and and even saying that, I, I don't think there's anyone else they could have casted to even come close. Right. So I, I just thought that yeah, like like you said, that there's a few few times where he was being, I feel like he was being too much Billy D playing Lando. In something that isn't Star Wars, which is a cool thing. Yeah, like my, you're gonna broke again. hold a, a legacy character, you know, in such high regard. It's I I like when actors do that. 
yeah, I thought his maybe his like quote unquote accent slipped here and there whenever he did s- certain scenes or mm. like you said that was one in particular was very much Billy D Williams and where in some cases maybe he was just Donald Glover for a little bit or maybe right. he was just, you know, trying to be Lando Calrissian and not really nailing it. So there were definitely some inconsistencies with him. Um but yeah, his his character his, his lines were were particularly good and I thought his his delivery was was pretty good as well and you know here and there. Well gentlemen, we've really gotten to uh halfway point in the film. We talked a little bit about the Kessel Run itself uh earlier, but there is a lot more to talk about in terms of solo and I don't think we can fit it all in this episode today. So what do you guys I think we could sum up the rest of the movie in like 10 minutes, right? Oh yeah, you Not know, eight. let's Eight? Eight. We got to round down. So if you're here listening to this and you haven't already seen the movie... uh, Oh, spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you missed the warning. the spoiler alert, John. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, how do you feel about taking taking a break and coming back in another episode to finish off our Han Solo discussion? I think that's a good idea. Uh, I don't like it, but I'll agree to it. All right. Fantastic. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Hoth Topics. We had a great time at the solo premiere up in L.A. Had a good time seeing it with Mike. And we're going to continue this discussion another time. If you would like to get in touch with us, ask us any questions, have any comments about the movie, or any other Star Wars comments in general, um, want to know how, want to let us know how you think we're doing, Please give us a email at hothpod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at hothpod on Twitter. And uh, you can find us at our website, hothtopicspodcast.com. I think that's it. Anything to add, guys, before we close out? Solo was fun. <laughs> I got a. I got nothing right now since uh, we'll be we'll be back here very shortly. Yeah, chronologically, we're going to be back here in about twenty minutes to record the rest of this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, awesome. Nothing until next time. Cool. Well, I've been Ian. I'm. I've, I've just said what I am. That's John. Mike's here as well. And that is Mike. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you next time. Hot topics. <laughs> <laughs>marvel or like not i'm not gonna say marvel but like comic books where like characters die off and then they immediately come back in the next episode with head wounds oh yeah yeah you're just like oh i'm perfectly alive but i was missing an arm you know i'm gonna regret that sentence when we get more time into, travel yeah when i no when <laughs> when i think about star wars a little bit more and remember that a lot of characters come back from death and some of them are dead and they come back because they're ghosts and so my mm. my statement is wrong it made sense until you thought about yep. it yeah don't that, don't worry about that's it star wars that's, that's star, star wars, wars. <laughs> that is star wars
please stop because I have other things to say to you that don't need to be recorded. <laughs> what you can say to John, you can say to the public. <laughs> no, I we just, don't keep secrets. What I I, I want to go over how we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Stop the damn thing. <laughs> John, I it's there. I can see it. You didn't even look at the thing. You just—he's not even pretending to press something. He's not touching the mouse. He's not touching the keyboard. He's just, uh, yikes, dude! <laughs> Hit something. This is not helpful. And. <laughs>